So just kind of to, while you're eat, finishing up here, um, just kind of the schedule. Remember, it's every other week, so it'll be the 8th, uh, which is today. And then next week, the next time we meet will be the 22nd, and that is a scheduled breakfast. Once a month breakfast, but the guys pulled overtime and had breakfast this morning, which I greatly appreciate. Thank you. <laughs> Hit the spot. Uh, so you can kind of see. So you actually have, you know, two weeks from today to work on Chapter 2. And I... I Pretty sure if you've been doing it over the last couple of weeks, you're probably overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that's in chapter one. And so, uh, how I'd like to see us conduct our study is, you know, it, it's really easy for me to teach another Bible study, and I would do that. But I, I really want to have this. You know, what's God showing you guys? You know, how did what did what did the you know the Spirit speak to you? You know, as you were working on it, and you know, this isn't. This is a general guide, this little handout. Did you, you need one, don't you? I give you one, okay. Um, <clears throat> of how to study the scriptures. Because the, op- the, the, the work that we do here, you know, in the study here, uh, we want to bring it all together and, and, you know, share with one another. And so you gotta you gotta do your due diligence and, and do your homework. And so, and it's not a, a legalistic thing. You don't have to necessarily do go. Th- you know, if you miss a day, it's fine. You've got pl- two weeks to work on this. The point is, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you first meet somebody. You don't really know them. You um, you you know you kind of almost off the front. Like I think I can like this person. You know, you kind of well, when you the more you get to know the Lord, <clears throat> the more you love Him. The more you appreciate him, the more, and that, and that's kind of the way it is with the Word of God. The more you give yourself to it, the more you're going to love it. So, underneath all this, just to put it out there, my goal as a pastor is to encourage you to really love the Word of God, not to be condemned by it, not to be afraid of it, not to be intimidated by it, but just simply fall in love with God's Word. And I believe in doing this, these steps will help you. You don't have to be a scholar. If you want to be a scholar, go for it. And like I said before, there's there's helps you can get online, plenty of Bible uh, hub.com. Remember, I pointed that out a couple weeks ago. You can go there and get some help. But primarily, allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher, your instructor. One of the things that that I found uh, very helpful again, you know, is just and this has saved me so many times throughout my life as a Christian. Just read the scriptures. And then I don't get it. Well, just read it again. And just read it again. But just simply reading it is amazing how that loosens you up and it begins to open up your mind to think. And the Holy Spirit just gives you things. <coughs> and one of the exercises I like in this, it talks about read, like day two here, reread the chapter and write a short summary. Now, that's if you're not an English scholar or given to English and grammar and all that, Writing is like, are you kidding me? That's the last thing I want to do. And, and, but the, just rest assured, nobody's going to look at it, what you write down. And nobody probably really cares, right? <laughs> it's your thoughts. And so what I find helpful for myself is after I've read it a few times, as I'm reading through it, I begin to just write down, what is that saying to me? How would I reword this? How would I put what I've just read in my own words? And, if, and I found it, the Holy Spirit will also just give you the flow, and it'll speak to your heart. This is what the Holy Spirit is showing you. I'm not talking about automatic writing here, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying the, you're going to be inspired. That pen will start putting stuff down, and you never just start moving the pen and trust God, okay? And it's not right or wrong. But I found that this past week that was a real blessing to me. So. Um, like it says in day three there, look up a definition of any of the words. You know, So if you, you don't have a Bible dictionary, that's where the BibleHub.com uh, can come in handy. There's dictionaries there, and you can look up some of the words. And word studies are great. And so those are the two things. That, these are the only two handouts that I have for you. <laughs> the schedule and this little um, guide here for our Bible study. So with that... Um, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get started here. Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you 
Lord, for their dedication and their commitment to you. I thank you, Father, that you uh, called us together at this time and in our lives, Lord. And, and we could be a thousand other places right now, but you've chosen this time for us to be together and to be part of this local assembly. We ask that you'd bless our relationships. I pray, Father, that you would open your word to us and make it alive to us. I pray that you would bless the fellowship that we have with one another and uh, strengthen our relationships. And So we just commit our hour to you now, Lord, and ask for your blessing, your presence, and that you would really direct our thoughts as we discuss what you used your servant Peter to write down for us and for for the church, and we are grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, James, I have one of these for you. Okay. And this is just a little, you know, this is, this is where you do your homework. This is where you write down so the evidence can be gathered against you for, for doing your Bible study. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Yes, I trust that you're beyond that stage. No more pablum for you, Bobby. <laughs> yes, I, I just and, and I know it's a little bit of I don't know if it's selfishness on my part. I don't know what to really call, it, but it's amazing when you guys share that ministers to me. And I, I, I just, you know, I really am blessed by that, um, you know, what God's showing you. And, um, but what I thought would be best, and like I said, this is, I mean, you read this, if you're diligent and you do your study, you realize there's just, I'm choking on material here. This is just overwhelming. I, we're going to spend one day together to go through this whole chapter. You think there's no way. You, it's just a lot here. But that, but that's that's okay. We'll, we'll, so what I thought would be good is in my sharing will be sort of a general overview. And so what I thought would be best in, in this situation was to we'll just take it a paragraph at a time, and then we'll read it, and then I'm going to allow you to share what you felt like you have see this even this morning, or what you sort of got out of it um, as you were going through it the last couple of weeks. So. Remember, you'll get out of it what you put into it. The more you put into it, the more you'll receive. So it's kind of up to the individual what you want to get from it. So that's how we'll do it. And I thought we'll try that format and see how it works out. So let's begin here, uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the Dysporia in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you, and peace be multiplied. There's the opening salutation, so what is, there's a lot right there. I mean, he hits the ground and running. And so what, anything that spoke to your heart in particular there? So... Um... Yeah, my version says to the temporary residents of the dispersion. Uh, so I was like curious because I know we read it here in the New King James and, and it says pilgrims. And I really like, I looked up the definition of pilgrim because was, that was one of the words that I was like curious about. And <clears throat> I really like this definition that is a pilgrim is a traveler uh, who has come from afar who is on a journey to a holy place. Mm. And I feel like that describes us in a way because yeah. we are sort of on this journey. I mean, we are temporary residents of this place and we're on a journey to a holy place. And yeah. I just thought it was really cool. Anybody else? I would say sanctification. When I was reading this, just really spoke to me and, and really um, significant, I can't even say it. It was significant to me that my salvation is not because of anything of me, but only because of Christ, because mm-hmm. I'm sanctified and, and <clears throat> through the Spirit it talks about. So um, the whole chapter talks about that type, the, how I'm kept 
by God's Spirit, how I'm protected by God's Spirit. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation as reverberated through the whole chapter to me. Mm-hmm. So l- let's let's state the obvious here. It should be the obvious. What's what's the, what's he what's the theme of the chapter? There's lots of things you could think might be, but what's really the overall big picture that he's looking at? Salvation, right? There's lots of nuances that come into that. But, you know, you think, well, it's suffering. No, not really. If you look at it, it's be, we are saved. And in our salvation, there's, we go through sufferings. And that's, a, okay, let's, let's back up a little bit here and pull back. Okay, what's going on in the culture? Who's he writing to? Remember, we kind of discussed this a couple of weeks ago. Paul's, or Peter is writing to the Jewish church because remember, he was called to the circumcision and Paul was called to the uncircumcision. So his main audience are initially is the Jewish brothers that have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. They have the synagogues. They're still attending. They're still Jewish in their thought and a lot of those things. So he's writing to that group in particular. But, but at this point in time as well, who is also part of the body of Christ. We're now one in Christ. It's the Gentiles. So the Gentiles, uh, as we can refer here, it's just not just for the Jews. I mean, primarily that's his audience because that's what God spoke to his heart, that his ministry was to the circumcision. But, he's, but he is also catching us, the, the Gentiles. And you can see as you go through this book, he's, he's got the law burned into his mind and heart. He's, he's got this backdrop and I'll refer to that as we go through this a little bit. He is Jewish, and you cannot underestimate how that's influenced Peter's thinking and the where he's coming from, especially to his Jewish brothers that he's writing to. So it's important to look at this. I, I actually think what Paul is trying to do is, is like um, we do as parents. You know, uh, when your child is feeling really rotten, they've been hurt, or they're being hassled uh, by their uh, friends, which, who they thought may have been their friends at school or whatever, and they're really you know, sort of feeling sorry for themselves, and they get just down and out. Or if they just hurt themselves physically, my, one of the things I always tried to do initially was to redirect their thinking. Get there, you know, let's not focus on that. Let's talk about this. And you know, sort of like, hey, you know this. <laughs> Oh, I'm Owie. You no, know, that you know, you know, and you, it's really a good thing to distract them, and so that's what Peter's sort of doing. Is these guys are about to? The persecution has come. They've been scattered from Jerusalem, but who's the emperor at this time? Anybody remember? Nero. What did Nero do? Anybody remember? He killed Christians. He burned Rome and blamed it on the Christians. Paul, from this about this time, Paul's got about two years left in his life. He's going to be martyred. This is 64 A.D. Paul, I think, somewhere around 66, he got taken out, and Peter's going to face the same thing in a couple of years. This is right near the end. They're facing persecution. It's on the doorstep. So that, that it's important to understand that, and 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 Paul, uh, Peter rather, uh, is taking us back to okay. He's giving us big picture. I think he's trying to give a big picture. Because what happens when we suffer? We get turned inward. We see little picture. We see me in the mirror. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't lose your big picture. And this is what I love about this. Anything else in that first open? Yes, Bruce. Okay. What does that, what, what does that mean to you? I'm glad you brought that up. That's really a good question. If you couple that with other places when it talks about elect and foreknowledge, you know, this is what he, uh, for, election, it just means to be chosen. It just, God chose. It's based on what? Foreknowledge. Something that we can't really comprehend. To know everything that can ever be known simultaneously now and forever and that to a person who dwells outside of time, God, he knows it all. So if you read the first chapter in Ephesians, the, the chosen part, the election part, was for something else. It's, we want to personalize that election. You, we were chosen to be sanctified and adopted into God's family. In other words, you can listen to thir- uh, Wednesday night service because I covered this, Ephesians 1. God had a plan and has always had a plan before the foundation of the world, and it included 
man being glorified, becoming like the angels, the sons of God, and ruling his universe. That was interrupted by, by several rebellions, and they're listed. You know, Saint, Satan, Lucifer's rebellion, the rebellion in the fall in the Garden of Eden, the rebellion in chapter 6 of Genesis, the rebellion in chapter 11 of Genesis. Those rebellions were followed by God's judgment, and then God's, okay, I'm going to, in response to that, I'm doing this. You're going to have to offer sacrifice to cover for your sins. You're going to be battling in this unseen realm with the fallen demon because you, you know, the fallen angel, Satan. And you're going to have to, you know, make a choice to leave that kingdom of darkness since your parents chose that to be part of the kingdom of light. So you have to do that. And then because it becomes so corrupt in chapter 6, God judged the world with a flood. And then he gave the angels charge over the nations and they rebelled against him. Psalm 82, they're gonna, they got judged for that. They, now are gonna, they lost their more immortality. They're now mortal. They're going to die like men. God's judging the angelic beings who are given charge over the nations to bring them to Yahweh and bring that understanding. That's, and that rebellion was manifested in chapter 11 of Genesis. And God, and God said, okay, you guys want to do that? You, want, you, you nations want to stay under the rule of Satan and his gods? Okay, I'm just going to make my own nation. And then he chose Abraham. And that is the motif that runs through the whole Testament. And so you, you, with those, that's what foreknowledge, God knows what's going to happen, but the choosing was, I'm choosing you to do this, because ultimately humanity who has chosen to follow the Lord, to be on his side, to come out of the kingdom of darkness, they will be adopted as sons of God into God's family. That's what we were chosen to. See, because and then people twist that and say, well, if God chose some, then he didn't choose others. That's not what the scripture says. And it does not rule out our choice. Just because God has said, I'm going to do this, doesn't mean we had nothing to do with being come part of that. It involves human choice. And so you cannot separate this uh, from that. But he did. I mean... You ha- God has something that we could never understand, the ability to know everything simultaneously. So why would you choose? You're not going to choose people that don't choose you, right? I mean, I think we make a bigger deal out of it than we should. And predestination, is that's what the, pre- that's what the destiny is. The destiny for you and, my, you and I is not heaven. You're shortchanging yourself. That's, that's, where we, that's kind of like the next step, but it's beyond that. We're going to serve and rule and reign with God throughout the universe. That sounds like what? Yeah, that's the big picture. So, you, you know, heaven's important. Gospel, the gospel of grace, which we live in, isn't just about getting people to heaven. It's Because if you understand the big picture, and he talks about it here, inheritance. That's what we're talking about here. It's just awesome, bro. I mean, it'll, just, it'll, it'll, it'll redirect you. You'll have a serious paradigm shift. So that was past. He chose us in the past. Anything else in that you guys see? Um, I don't know what verse that was in, in your translation there, Bruce, but I think it's, it's the verse 2. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my translation it says, um, God the Father chose you long ago, and the Spirit has made you holy. Um, that rend- this particular rendering to me, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but... You know, what it makes me think of is that God the Father and the Spirit and the Son were all, who knows how many millions of years ago, were having a conversation, and I was in that conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> and they knew Amen. what was going to happen, and they knew the beginning from the end. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Well, they're recording it for the guys that can oh, make okay. it today. Um, so from, and they know from the beginning, the beginning from the end, so they knew all of my shortcomings yes. and how badly I was going to fail. But in spite of all of that, they, they knew I was going to accept, accept Jesus. And, and I was included in that plan millions of years before I was ever even a thought in my dad's head, you know? Mm-hmm. And that just... Um, yeah. That really personalizes. Oh yeah, 
That's great. You know, instead of, I mean, and I get that God's chosen people. I mean, that's, you know, that kind of puts me in a group of a whole lot of people as far as God's chosen people. But when it's when it says God chose you long ago, that really personalizes it yeah, for me. That's incredible. Wow, I just, that should just thrill our hearts. <laughs> but you know, I like what you pointed out there. You see the Trinity here? The Father chose, the Spirit sanctifies, and the Son redeems. The, the Trinity's working together to bring about our salvation. You know, we're, you know, what's the Spirit's job is to sanctify us, set us apart for this special thing that God is doing, this special plan that God has. And it happened because Jesus laid down his life. And so you see there's past, there's present, and there's future here. The past is he, we were chosen. The present is that we're being sanctified. And, and the future is we're going to be eventually totally redeemed and taken out of this mess, given a new body, greater responsibilities. Just wonderful. And late at night, and they were all tired when we were talking about Butch. So I think he might... <laughs> <laughs> you know, sorry, I had to get one in on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like you know, like, I remember Pastor Chuck used to say, "You know, it's a good thing God chose me before the foundation of the world because He probably wouldn't have chose me after." <laughs> he started messing up. Bobby had to set himself up for everything he said. But I like the grace and the peace there as well, and I'll kind of have my comments here. Finish up my comments here. You know. You think about the sprinkling of the blood since we've been going through the book of Leviticus. How important they throw in that blood against the altar. The sprinkling of the blood, that's our hearts. The altar is our hearts. Our hearts have been cleansed. I just think that is an amazing thing. You know, we have a priest, and we, you know, think about the daily cleansing that we need. We're sprinkled continually. We're under the blood. And don't let your sin and your mistakes keep you from enjoying what God has in store for your life. Think about grace and peace. Again, this is the number six priestly prayer. You know, Lord, lift up his countenance on you. Lord, be gracious to you, give you peace. It's always grace, then peace. Unmerited, undeserved favor resulting in God's peace. And this is, uh, you know, we desperately need both of those, don't we, in life. Grace, we need peace. But there's a lot about grace in here. And let's go on to verses 3. But yes. On that, further on in verse 2, it says, uh, okay, I'm Was that? Oh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Father, on the, uh, it says, uh, I got out of, is, is, is verse 2 says, as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and may God give you more and more grace and peace. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I like that. You have to obey him to be able to follow through with it. Yeah. He may have chose you, but your obedience to what he has chosen you to, to follow through with. So, so how would you, do, how would you, you know, let's. Obedience is sort of sometimes, you know, well, what does that really mean? Let's, maybe we can define it a little bit. How would you describe, in the context here, how would you describe obedience? How would, because we're talking about outward demonstration of something, right? How, Say submitting your will to God's will. Well, that's good. Yeah, I know. We just have to be careful. just try to do it our best. So what did you say? Submit, submitting your will to God's will. Okay. So that takes, what would you say it takes to do that? Faith. So obedience, if you're really being obedient, it means you're walking in, tr- I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, God. So faith is part of what we would see if you are being obedient. Go ahead. That goes in. Uh, <laughs> well, we just, I know we're trying to help people. That, uh, it goes into uh, where you say to faith, is you, you have faith even though you haven't seen it. Yeah. You know. And that, that that is the faith that he's talking about. You 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 have provided, you've shown faith in your love of Christ and Jesus, even though you haven't seen him, and you grow stronger in that faith. Yeah, yeah. And he says, in whom you having not seen, you love. Yeah. So if you love someone, like your wife, for example, what do you what do you as a husband, what do you do for your wife? I mean, just generally speaking, you serve her. 
So if you are walking in obedience, there's going to be some level of service that you conduct for to unto other people. You're not charging. It's just you're there to serve. I think that's how uh, obedience is. Um, and then, and this is probably coupled with, with faith, is there's endurance. You persevere through it. You suck it up. You know, as one of you guys, you guys often say to one another, suck it up, buttercup, you know. <laughs> You know, you just got to toughen up sometimes. But that doesn't mean you you don't hurt or experience pain or there's sorrow that comes about on occasion. There, but you just but you keep going. You keep. I mean, you know how it is. You, you, sometimes you've been so tired from work that you just can't do another thing. But you forge through. You put one foot in front of the other and you keep moving until you get where you need to go. Yeah. You know, another thing. Is- Yeah, is a contrast, particularly here, growing up here in the South. A lot of folks will go to go to church, they'll get saved and get baptized, and then they just kind of go on about their everyday life. And you know, they might go to church every other Sunday or on Christmas and Easter, and and that's about as far as it goes. You know, you contrast that kind of life against somebody like George Mueller who was constantly in the Word and listening to God and being groomed in, in the faith and, and everything and everything in between. Well, both of them may make it to heaven, but there's a difference between being obedient. There's definitely a difference between obedience, obedient, being obeying God and seeking Him out in, in those two different contrasts. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I, there's, the, the reward is... One's going to be rewarded for their obedience. The other person is rewarded, but not to the same degree because they didn't step out. Or did, is that what you're trying to say? They didn't go as far as they could have gone. Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess that's kind. Of, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, there's the obedience. Well, I forgot now uh, what Tony just said, but is, there's more to there's there's a whole, whole lot more to it than just lip service. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I think we're all on that. Let's move on here for the sake of time. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot here. Verses 3 through 12, and I'm, again, pointing out in your Bible, you're probably going to have a bold mark at, at, at ver- like your 3, for example. Is it bold? And then the next one is verse 13. You see that? That's, what's that telling us? Telling us that that's a paragraph in the original language. And so that that means in that paragraph is a main thought. And your job, as and, and my job, as we're reading through these things, is to capture that main thought. What is he really zeroing in in? And then all the other subpoints uh, that would follow. And so uh, let's read this, and uh, we'll do the same uh, with our comments. Blessed be God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, to be ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have great been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, in whom, having not seen, you love, though you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them indicated when testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which are now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which the angels desire to look into. So uh, that's a lot there. Anything that, that stuck out to you? Saved by God's mercy and that even though we go through trials, we should just keep our eyes on the future. Amen. That's, 
That's a good summation right there. You know, it, this blessed be God is praise, honor, and glory be to God. You know, that he starts, keeps everything in perspective. It, this all belongs to God. Blessed be his name. You know, that that really is the forefront there. That's really, um, that's be our continual a continual thought of what God is, or who He is, and what He He does. Begotten again. What is what What does that mean? Anybody follow up on what's He saying? You're begotten again. What do you think He's referring to there? Yeah, born again. You know, you're you're, you're you received a second birth, which means there should be a radical thinking. A change in your thinking and your perspective. Now, some some of us who grew up in Christian homes, your radicalness may not be as extreme as someone like myself who didn't have that kind of background. And it was a total, major, outward, like, whoa. And some, of, uh, some people have that. But the point is, you're still going to have a character change. You're still going to be changed uh, when you really are born again. He talks about mercy. Aren't you glad for mercy? Abundant mercy. <laughs> That's how God, you know, He lets us off the hook in that regard. Not because it didn't happen, not because we don't deserve to be punished, but because He's allowing a space to repent and come under the blood. And that's what mercy is for. And then those who refuse to do that will suffer the penalty for their crimes. That's just the way it works, because God is a just God. And then I want to ask you about the next thing, the living hope, because I just think this is pretty cool. The living hope. This is a vital... Remember the three things Paul talks about, faith, hope, and love? We sort of don't think about hope a lot. We'll talk about love. we talk about faith. But sometimes hope is... I'm not saying it's the red-headed stepchild, but I mean, sometimes it just seems to get forgotten. So let's look at this living hope. What, anybody, anybody, any, the Spirit speak to you, anybody in particular? I guess he did me uh, in this one. Maybe it's kind of where I'm at, you know, what I'm doing in my life right now, and I, I kind of, uh, I need hope. <laughs> well, that's going to be verse 3, the living hope. A living hope through the resurrection. So let's let's start out this way. What's the, what, how would you define the word hope? I'll help you. It's a state of anticipation. Hope is a state of anticipation, and I, of course, I love the Hebrew words because they're word pictures. And we're, you know, we're all kind of visual that way. And the word hope is a couple different words in the Old Testament are used for, for hope. Uh, one is yahal, and the other one is kav, or, and then sometimes it's kava, but at the root is, is kav. And yahal means to wait, as we normally uh, think of it. Um, Noah waited for the floodwaters to recede. You know. Day after day, month after month, all right, already, right? That's wait. You know, we wait impatiently, but that's the idea. The other one that's really uh, kava or ka. It, I lost my place here. Hang on. It, uh, it like it's from kav, but kava is it's like if you take a rope and you pull it really tight. In the Hebrew, that by pulling that rope tight, you would use the word kava. And so what, 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 are we, what is that describing to us is the tension that we feel in that state of anticipation. We are uptight. <laughs> like within, oh, 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 Lord. You know, this, but you're hoping. You're hoping. And that's very important. So, the, David uses both of these in the Psalms. Yakal, Yahal, and Kavah. And so, a good example, a farmer uh, Kavahs for his harvest. He waits in anticipation with some tension 
But here's the kicker, and this is what I love about it. It's not waiting and focusing on the circumstances to change. Kava is tension and anticipation, waiting for the person. I wait on you, Lord. I wait on Yahweh. I'm anticipating. I have excitement and because of what God is, that God is coming to me in my situation. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm focused on Him. That's what is trying to convey through those words. El peace is the Greek word, and it's um, it's used in the hope of glory, the el peace of glory, and so it's what is the, there's great anticipation in our lives for God to come and restore all things. You know, there's a mess that happened in the garden. Well, that's all going to get re- reversed. The curse is going to be lifted. Man will be glorified. The ultimate plan that we've been talking about is going to happen. Nothing is going to stand in the way. Nothing can stop what God is doing. Nothing is going to stop what's coming. That creates a tremendous hope. And this is what Peter's trying to convey to these people. Look, some of you guys are going to the lions. You're going to get thrown into the, to the pit, and they're going, you're going to get... You're going to get devoured. You're going to die. Hey, let's, let's all face it right now. There's nobody in this room that's not going to... Nobody's going to escape this. We're all going to, we're all going to die. And so he's just trying to prepare them. But there's, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not afraid of that. And some of you think, yeah, I can hardly wait, you know. <laughs> I'm tired of suffering, you know. I'm ready to leave, you know, get my ticket, and I'm flying out of here, you know. <laughs> but so... With that hope, he begins to paint a picture here, doesn't he? Any thoughts on inheritance? A living hope to an inheritance. It's freely given. Oh, yeah. No earning. No messing up and giving it off. Can't lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, imperishable. What else about the inheritance? It's imperishable or incorruptible. I don't know what your... your uh, Translation may have. How, what else? Uh, well, how else does he describe our inheritance? Yes, it's reserved. Hallelujah. And it, and it can't be taken. Well, as Tony said, it can't be taken away. Yeah. You are once you're saved. And Jesus said, "No one will be taken away from me." What happens to earthly inheritance that we give to our children, eventually? Yeah, it's it's it is defiled. What does he say about this inheritance? Undefiled. Undefiled. See, again, he's got a Jewish mind. He's thinking God's purity and 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 undefiled. He talked. That's what holiness. We'll get into a little bit later here. But that see that Jewish mindset coming through. Undefiled. Wow, that's he's awesome. It's great stuff. Doesn't fade away. Then somebody else brought this up. Let's keep moving here for the sake of time. Uh, Verse um, 6. Right now, what's going on? Everything in your life perfect? Are you experiencing heaven on earth right now? I mean, literally, no. You got pain. You got sorrow in your heart. All of us have, have that. It's less than perfect. By a long stretch, right? And you're grieved by it. You're weighted down. Heavy, heavy. It's heavy. It's a heaviness. You're distressed. That's what that word literally means. Grieved. But how is God, and why does God allow it? I think there's an insight here. Why does, in verse 7, why does God allow it? Yeah. Our faith needs to be Tested. It's, it's the whole concept of, of the two extremes that we go through. And, and the two extremes of life center us. You know, Paul, in regards to supply, Paul said, I've learned how to be abased. Look, I have barely enough to get through. And I also know how to abound. That's the two extremes, right, when it comes to supply. But in the centering it is... In all things, I've learned to be content. And so that's the way we should probably look at um, trials. They're not here to destroy us, but some things are being 
we let go of that are destructive through that. We, I don't realize I don't need that. And I come back to the center. I would like to add that I think pick five, six, and seven is really what stood out to me when I was studying. And it's, I think of earthly fathers and earthly parents. Mm-hmm. We tell our kids that uh, here's what I promise you. Because here's what you're experience, and these are going to be the rewards of what you're. We always talk about consequences in life. Yes. Five talks about God keeping us, and I looked up that word uh, phoreo, which is the the Greek word, and it talks about a sent a military sentry standing guard to protect you against any enemy. Oh, yeah. And then in verse six, he tells us we're going to why that that century is standing there because we're going to suffer trials we're going to go through things but his promise is that he's going to keep us regardless of those circumstances regardless of that happenings and then verse oh. seven the genuine of faith when i was studying that that's just bringing forth the fruits of the spirit out of our lives we're growing because god's keeping us it's not because of anything we're doing mm. it's because of his holy spirit teaching us and guiding us through the trials that we're experiencing yeah. so that's the big thing I took out of the whole chapter. Do you see that God thinks your faith is more important than anything else on this earth? I mean, gold, man, that's right up there. Like, you know, paper money. No, no, the real thing, gold. <laughs> you know, we, we, we highly value that for obvious reasons. But your faith is more important than that. It's the most important thing to God. And it's going to come, you know, that's he's trying to get our faith to a point where it really honors him, and so that's that that's good. And, and what does he say about the trials? I think that's important, and we need to be reminded they're only for a little while. You know, you're not you know God doesn't keep you under the gun continuously, from you know the cradle to the grave. There's it's an ebb and flow of that. So it's for a little while, and we're we're burdened by them, we're grieved, but we have to see that. That's more. It's important. That's why Paul could say, "I read, I glory in tribulation." He's able to to find joy in the midst of his pain, which doesn't seem quite possible. But that's because his focus is not on his circumstances or on his physical pain. It's on the Lord. Kind of like the whole the whole thing of hope. You're waiting on the person. So, and then one of you mentioned there the. That you know our love for him. Do you think maybe he was thinking about Thomas in that last situation at the, the resurrection, where he says, "Having not seen you loved," I thought of that immediately. You know, Thomas said, "Well, unless I see the, you know, the nail prints in his hand and the rip in his side, you know," and so Jesus shows up. <laughs> hey, uh, <clears throat> Tom. Got something to show you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thrust your hand in there. I stand corrected, Lord. My Lord, my God. Encounter with the living God. This is awesome. But we've never seen. You know, that's what Jesus is going on to say. Bless, you believe because you see. Blessed are those who, who believe and yet have not seen. You know, So there's a blessing for you and I. I've never seen Jesus. Felt, I know his presence. But I physically know. So now he gets to the subject, he, you know, the salvation here. You're begotten again to a living hope. That's salvation. And then he goes on and he talks about that salvation. So um, he's trying to get what what are he's trying to get them to see that even though they're going through all this big picture, that's what that's so important for us when we're going through. The, back up, try to try to reflect. Where are we going with this, Lord? What's the where are we? What's the big picture here? Because the short-term pain will suck you in and blind you. I love this, the way he approaches. I mean, what we're experiencing, according to this, is the Old Testament guys were like, this is pretty crazy. They were trying to figure it all out. You mean, Messiah's going to suffer? Wait. You know, that was hidden. It was it's like they spiritualized it. That way, with that. the king... Why do you have this suffering king? Wait, you know, it's just very difficult. Just kind of like us trying to figure out stuff, right? It's hard uh, to really understand. And so we, but there was a perseverance in these guys that, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm still going to proclaim it. 
And I think that's the way Bible teachers are. There's things we don't really fully understand, but we just proclaim because this is what it says, you know. So anybody else have some comments up through verse 12? Otherwise, we'll keep moving here and wrap her up here. Okay, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout this time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received from, by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Powerful. I think set the tone for this thing. Our, what, our salvation this great gift that we've been born into and yielded to and trust God in requires diligence. There isn't just this mental assent to the facts that, that Jesus is my Savior and he hung on the cross, but there's a response to what he did. You know, what is, and he tells him right up front, gird up the loins of your mind. What's it say in your translation there, Bobby? It'd be verse 13. <clears throat> Okay, so the first part there says about the mind, what does it say again? So think clearly. Think clearly. Well, mine says, uh, get your minds ready for action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gird up your minds. I mean, think about why do you put clothes on? Because you're naked. <laughs> That means you you you're, you got kind of a blank slate. Look, you are saved. You need to start thinking hard and be ready to learn. I think that's girding up your mind. You know, and then okay, you have sober minded. What else was said in that other translations? Self control. That's what that's talking about. Sober minded. Be discreet. Keep a clear head. You know, get your head in the game, you know, Coach. You hear Coach yelling, get your, where's your heads at? <laughs> you should get drilled on the sidelines, right? What are you thinking? <laughs> That's what we're, you know, when you're suffering and you're, 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 you're intimidated, it's sometimes it's really hard to, to do that, isn't it? But, and it's, again, it's like the father with the child that's suffering. It's a redirect. Yeah, this hurts. Yeah, this is less than preferable. But here's what you got to do. And this is what we do as men. I mean, we, we have to do this to provide for our families. It just, it's a, that's part of the curse, right? It's the sweat of the brow. You got to overcome that. And so, um, and we can do that. Yeah. grandson and the kids playing like baseball or football particularly in baseball it's easy for them to get distracted out there on the field when they're little kids <laughs> they start thinking about anything and everything else get fidgety out there picking the picking the sunflower off the <laughs> yeah i mean anything but what's what they need to be paying attention to and I think about verse number seven these trials are only to test your faith and to show that it is strong and pure um 
it is uh, being tested as fire as fire tests and purifies gold. And and I think about the contrast of that. It's like our trials and tribulations are, are tests for us. They're testing our faith, and that's that's the game we're in. Mm-hmm. And and we got to be sober minded and clear minded about you know getting distracted into woe is me and all the other petty things that can take us away from concentrating. My faith is being tested right now, and I need to stand firm in the Lord. Does that make yeah sense? Well, and I, and I want to end that. That's a great thought. End that thought by what's, what's he say? That rest your hope fully on the grace that's to be that's to come to you. Do you anticipate grace? Now think about that word hope. It's, it's waiting in anticipation. You mean I should? Be, so in other words, I should be waiting with great anticipation, that tension, like, how's God going to bless me? Now, that's not about me being selfish or you being selfish. We're talking, this is God's choice. We didn't have anything to do with him wanting to be gracious to us. That was his choice. He'll be gracious to whom he wants to be gracious. My job is not to be pride, prideful or proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So in, in humble waiting, because that's what it takes to be patient, takes a little bit of humility, doesn't it? Well, I, why is he, you know, getting, you can get angry with God when you're going through it. What's up with this? I, do I, I really deserve this? Actually, you deserve more than that, son. But, you know, <laughs> you know, that's how we sort of can get in the flesh. And he talks about that here. But this is, think about how gracious God wants to be to you. Some of you guys think you, it's hard for you to believe that. But it's the truth. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. Isn't that crazy? That's the kind of father we have. Oh, he just, oh, just how can I bless him? I just, oh, I'm going to chase him down. I'm going to find him and bless him. Oh, I just love him. Ooh. <laughs> this is wonderful, you think, in those terms. It's kind of disappointing, too. And you follow through. Well, we said, I mean, we summed it all up by saying, behold, Yeah. Yes. So it's keeping your, yeah, Jude would put it this way, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in a position where God can be gracious to you, as you and that's the key right there. What uh, uh, he goes on to say here, uh, as obedient children not conforming yourselves, the idea is to conform, conforming there is to assimilate. So what happens when, and this is, I've been here too many times that, really don't want to, would care to admit. It's really easy when you're going through pain and sorrow to get turned inward and full of self-pity. That's what little kids do. See my blood? And my, my, my grandson cuts his finger. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just turns you inward. And it's a downward spiral. People that go through tragedy and the death of a loved one, which is probably the hardest thing to endure, and I don't want to minimize that at all. But you see why some people go off the deep end and you know just have just become immoral and, and all kinds of moral failure after a tragedy like that. And this is what he's talking about. You begin to assimilate that, and you go back to your old way of living. It's like you want to bury that pain any way you possibly can. And that's what Peter's saying. Yeah, you're going through trials right now. Yeah, this is heavy duty. This is this is crushing. But don't go back to the flesh. Don't, don't go back to those things that you used to do to ease the pain. Embrace it as God's instrument to bring you closer to Him because He's bringing you grace. The grace is there. But if you go that way, as Bruce is saying, if you go that way, you're forfeiting what God wanted to give to you. And people, then people get even further angry because it says here... But, they don't see their human responsibility. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the grocery store and a kid is in there, if I'm in a grocery store and a kid is in there and he's probably two, or not even that old, you know, <laughs> they're sitting in there, they don't want to be there. They have to make themselves cry. <laughs> I mean, they're forcing it, you know. <laughs> I should have seen that one coming. That was a good one. <laughs> I did, I did, but it's like we're not a whole, we're 
as adults, we're not way re- far removed from that. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 miserable, and I'm gonna make everybody else in here miserable because I'm miserable. Yeah. And uh, I I just you know, it's real easy. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I still get sucked up into the poor me. Yeah, well, well it's why, natural you know, tendency. Sure. Crying and whining and trying to make everybody else miserable because I'm feeling sorry for myself. Well, you know, think when you think about holiness, and let's go back to Peter's mindset. Think Leviticus. What what is he taught? Practical. You know, we don't make ourselves holy. God does that. He sanctifies us. What is holiness? Holiness is actually the presence of Christ in my life. I'm yielded to Him, so therefore He's filling me, and that's what the, the holiness. He's the one that makes us set apart. That was it. But what is my job? You know, what was stressed in the Old Testament? Don't defile yourself. Don't touch anything unclean. That's what he's talking about. Don't, don't watch what you see with your eyes. Watch what you hear with your ears. Watch what you expose yourself to because it will defile you, and that's what we're to avoid. That's what he's talking about, the practical outworking uh, of that. And then, you know, and, and if that isn't enough to motivate you, think about what it cost. And that's what he mentions here. He, again, he brings us right back to focus on God. Always bring your focus back on Jesus Christ. What did Jesus? What did it cost Jesus Christ to, to redeem us? I mean, look what He did for us. If that, my goodness, when people do a favor for you or they do something that you know you couldn't do for yourself, and it, you are seriously benefited by it, you feel indebted to them. You feel like, man, I, I just, I just owe them. I mean, I, I could. Oh my goodness! I, it, it couldn't have happened without that type of thing. That's how we really, even, even more so, with what Jesus did on the cross. We never get beyond that. Man, he—I mean, he—he he took the nails, man. He took the spear. He was perfect. He didn't deserve to. So anyway, I think that's um, um, it's just Peter's. Yeah, he's, he's wordy, but man, I'm telling you, it's loaded. It's, you see, so you're starting to fall in love with this, what God's done for us. It's really special, isn't it? He's also saying that you also already received more grace than you deserve. Amen. The last few verses here. Um, if you do this, if you submit to what we've talked about in, in these, the responsibility that we have there in. 13 through 21, in our responsibility, you know, the idea of girding up our minds, so, uh, sobriety in our thoughts and, and self-control, exercising hope, all those things, that's our responsibility. You're, a, according to verse 22, that will bring a purity into your life. It's amazing. The more you do the right thing, the easier it becomes to do the right thing. It's kind of like a, a good habit breeds better habits. And you don't have to exercise self-control in one sense because you're, you're just avoiding it all. So you overcome temptation by not having to face temptation a lot of times. It's just because you're so busy doing the do's, you don't have time for the don'ts. That's sort of a, a maintenance way of looking at it. But there's a purification that, that comes. And then um, here's the end, that we truly do love one another. We really do care about one another. I mean, we really see that our relationships in the family of God actually are, I believe, are thicker than blood. There's a bond in the Spirit. We are brothers. And this is what blows me away about the Lord. He, he sees that bond. We're, we are one with God now to the point he calls you and I his brothers. It's like, oh, I can't, just can't, can't, it's hard to grasp that. Jesus calls me his brother. I just... He's not ashamed to call me his brother. And there's a love. I love him. You, and this is what develops in the church between us. We, we're, you know, there's this thing about uh, well, the, the movie. It was a series that went out years ago. The guys that were the Brotherhood or something going through war. What was the name of that series? The Band of Brothers. The Band of Brothers. You know, you, you know we have, for the most part, we we know each other and we're living our lives together in this church. So we have church life, and, we, and so there's a there's a closeness that's happening. Uh, 
But you go to war with somebody and you get into traumatic situations, it's kind of like having teammates and you win a championship. You know, you know what it took, to all the, all the work and all the labor, all the hassle of all the practices, and then you, you were in war together, emotionally bonded together through what it took to win that championship. There's a bond there. It's greater than just sitting in the room and, you know, having chit-chat. And this is what happens to us. These guys, are, they're, they're going they're gonna to get taken out. They know they're going to die for their faith. This has happened to our brother right now across the world. There's a number of them know that they're going to die. You can imagine how close they're getting. You really do love one another. Oh, yeah, we got faults. We got issues. But you know what? Who doesn't? And you overlook all that because we're all under the blood. So I just think this is a... Um, just a beautiful thing here uh, as he ends with the temporary temporalness of it's all going to go it's, not gonna, it's gonna be over guys think about this there's you have a lot well maybe not a couple of you this is the lord tarries but for most of us in this room we got more years behind us than we do in front of us we're almost there hang on it's worth, it's worth, just hang on. We're going to make it together. And I don't know, I'm kind of looking forward. I enjoy spending time with you, but I'm looking forward to spending eternity with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> anybody else? I, that's all I have. Anybody else? Cut anybody short? Because this is rich. And you got the next chapter to, to work through. It's not quite as long. Oh, yeah, the same amount of verses. Um, but use your little guide. Read it every day. Kind of walk through it. Allow the Holy Spirit to uh, minister to you. So real quick, anybody else? Hercules, you've been awful quiet. I'm going to put you on the spot. No, no? Yeah, I know that. You guys... You're getting used to it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Dave? You're a, you've always seen me on the edge there. You got anything you want to share? Okay. James, I know you're. it's kind of the first time you've been here and put you on the spot, but do you have anything you want to share? Amen. Okay, Wild Bill. Hey, got anything you want to share? Mr. Contemplation. <laughs> He's a deep thinker. How about you, John? You're good. Carl? Oh, yes. You you want to share a little, yeah. just real briefly so we can pray for him? Since uh, Sunday night, he's had seven surgeries. And okay. And, uh, you know, anybody going through some trials that need extra prayer besides uh, Devin? Uh, Bill, you can at least tell us the praise report because we've been praying for this for a couple years at least. I don't know if I don't mean to put you on a spot, but um, tell us. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, um, that is huge, huge praise. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for their faith that is truly genuine, Lord, that you truly are at work in every one of our lives to bring us each to your expected end. Because you know the thoughts that you think towards us, Lord. They're good. They're not evil. You've got an outcome that will glorify you. It will bring praise and honor to your name, and that's what we're about. We thank you for the mercy. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness of sins. And help us to overcome that conscience sometimes that condemns us. Because sometimes we know better, but we just... It's the weakness of that human nature, Lord, that takes... It's the best of us at times, Lord. But we thank you for your mercy. And in our waiting, as we studied this morning, Father, we wait with great anticipation, Lord, for you, because we know that you're good, and you're doing great things, and you're going to be glorified in our midst, and we just pray that you'd be gracious to this men's fellowship. You'll bless this group, Lord. You'll pour out your grace, your spirit upon us, that we might fight the good fight of faith and truly love one another, Lord, as the scripture has told us today. Father, thank you again. We take this moment to give you glory for what you have done for Bill, Rosie, and the Pichelle family, Lord. It's been a long, hard trial, Lord. But even as you brought Job through his suffering, 
you've brought Bill and Rosie through this, and we pray that you'd bless them, strengthen them, heal them, and make them ready for what is yet to come of the good things that you have in store for their lives. And Lord, we're uh, coming to you and praying for Devin. We can't even begin to imagine the magnitude of pain that his physical body is going to endure, Lord. And Lord, he's in that state of, of, of comatose right now, induced by the doctors. And Lord, when they bring him around, Lord, I just pray for mercy, Lord. Pray for your grace to be upon him. So many people praying for him. He made a, a youthful mistake, Lord, and it's he's paying a horrendous price for that error. We pray that you'd be merciful, Father. Please be gracious to him. Guide the doctors. And Lord, even astound the doctors, Lord, and just put him back together again, Lord. So many people praying. We're just asking for a miracle, Lord. We're so limited in our abilities to heal the body, but you are not, Lord. We just ask that somehow you would use this for your glory, for your purpose in his life. We pray for his brain right now, Lord, the unknown. We ask, Lord, that if there has been some oxygen deprivation and some damage to his brain that will cause him not to have normality of thinking, we ask for healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you would touch him. Lord, your presence would be so powerful in that room. Right now, we ask you to bless him, and lift him from that bed of affliction, Lord, and be glorified through this. Satan has meant it for evil, Lord, but we pray you would use it for good. We thank you, Father, that we can join together, unite together as one voice and one heart, and believe you for this miracle, Lord. And now bless us, bless our day, go before us, and fill us with joy, Lord, as we walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.